Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us, and we hope you're encouraged by this message. All right, y'all haven't heard me speak yet, so don't be cheering. As Jess said, it's good to see you. It's good to be back from Canada. A, A. I know there's a couple Canucks in the church. I see some of them back there. Um, it was really beautiful to see family, but it's beautiful to be home here at Catch the Fire in North Carolina, in the United States of America. And um, you can rest easy and know that in just a little over a week, I'll be taking my citizenship test. Yeah, so I hope that the next time I get to preach to y'all, I do it as an American citizen. And then when I say y'all, it won't be so weird. Because I feel like I'm a conundrum. I say y'all and I say sorry. And it just, it doesn't make sense. Um, But my American flashcard history is at an all-time high. So if you want to quiz me later, go for it. Secondly, I want to echo what Jess said. I want to encourage us to be praying for our students this week. We believe that, yeah, come on. Amen. All right, Kim. That's right. Anyone that's had students go through camp know know how valuable it is. Um, but we've truly seen such incredible breakthroughs, such incredible times for our students as they kind of step out of their environments and step into a place of faith where their peers are going for it, where their peers are chasing after the Lord. And so if you feel so bold, so brave, set an alarm on your phone during your lunch break, take two minutes, take five minutes and just pray for them. Pray that they would encounter the Lord that the, the boundaries and the barriers in their heart and the enemy would be driven away in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, today I want to speak with us, I want to speak with y'all, but what I believe to be one of the secret weapons of the believer, okay? So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for this beautiful body, your body, Lord. This is your church. This is not our church. And Lord, we know that you're always good. We know that you're always speaking to us. So Lord, we ask even right now that you would open our hearts. And if we haven't said it already on a personal level, we just say, welcome, Holy Spirit. You're welcome in this place, but you're also welcome in us. You're so welcome to be here. We're so glad that you're here in us and with us. Lord, I just ask that you would open our hearts and minds as we dive into your word, as we dive into your your beautiful principles and wisdom that you laid out for us in the word of God. Lord, we're so grateful for this book. We're so grateful for you, that you are the living, breathing word of God. And so, Lord, today we we look to you, we come to you with open hearts and open minds, and everyone said amen. Amen, amen. amen. We're going to dive right into John chapter 18, okay? If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there and... We're going to be looking today primarily at the life of the last few days of Jesus' life at one of his disciples named Peter. Somebody say Peter. Peter. Tell your neighbor we're going to talk about Peter. John 18, where we're picking up the story, is kind of this crucial moment that's leading to the climax of Jesus' life and ministry where he's about to go forth and endure the cross. He's about to go before the high priest and to go on trial and to be accused of all sorts of things and for false witnesses to be brought against him and to, to do everything that he said was, was to come, was to happen, was to pass. And 
right before Jesus is brought before the high priest, he could be found praying. And he's taking this time and he's praying for himself. If Jesus can pray for himself, so can we. Don't forget, pray for yourself. Lord, help me. (laughs) And so Jesus is found, he's praying for himself and then he's praying for his disciples and he's praying for all believers. And shortly after this, him and his disciples, they go into the garden of Gethsemane and out comes this group of soldiers. Soldiers and their officers and one of Jesus' own disciples, Judas Iscariot. We're going to pick up the story right here in verse 3. It says, Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. And Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. And he asked them again, who are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. That the saying might be fulfilled, which he spoke. One of these whom you gave me, I have lost none of these. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. And the servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? I love this little story here. This moment, this window into Jesus and his life as he's about to endure the cross as he's praying, as he's in agony, and he's praying, Lord, if it be your will, take this cup from me. And he's thinking of all the things that are to come. He's, he's processing all the, the pain and the motion and the things that he, are to, he is to face. And here come the soldiers, here come the officers, here comes one of his very own disciples to betray him. And he says to them, who are you looking for? And it's almost this sort of bizarre Moment, Like I, I was thinking about this, reading this, pondering this, what it would have been like to be there and the tension in the air as Jesus says to them, who are you looking for? And they say, you're looking for Jesus. And he says, I am he. And they're so taken aback. They're, they fall over like weird, right? But the moment and they get up and they're still kind of stunned. And Jesus is the one, not them, who has to ask them again, who are you looking for? And he says, I've already told you, I am he, I am Jesus. And then Peter, gotta love Peter, say, oh, Peter. Tell your neighbor, oh, Peter. Peter pulls out his sword, and he cuts off the servant of the high priest's ear, and he resorts to violence in this moment. And again, I'm pondering this story, and I'm like, how easy it seemed for Peter, to, when his back was against the wall, to resort to this sort of manner, this sort of behavior, to lash out. Peter, just, don't you love that God chose ordinary people like us, like Peter, who was a man who had a small fishing company, who left it all to follow Jesus, and here he is with his back against the wall, resorting in violence, and Jesus is saying to him, Peter, how, how, like, what are you doing? Am I not supposed to drink the cup that my father has laid before me? Am I not meant, have I not told you, Peter, have I not made it clear enough, Peter, that this is what I am meant to do? This is where I meant to be. Oh, Peter. (laughs) 
And Luke's account says that Jesus reached out and he healed the, the ear of the servant. Put your sword away, Peter. Now jump back with me to John chapter 13. We're going to look at another instance here. This is the moment, the beautiful, glorious Last Supper, where Jesus begins to wash his disciples' feet. And Peter again, oh Peter, he, as Jesus is washing their feet, he says, Lord, you won't wash my feet. And the Lord says, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. And then, of course, Peter's like, wash my hands, wash my head, wash my feet, wash all of me. And Jesus continues on and he, he introduces to them communion. And then this little interaction happens between Peter and Jesus in verse 36. It says, Simon Peter said to him, said to Jesus, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. And Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. We're going to jump back to John chapter 8 now and see this unfold. John chapter 18, sorry, verse 15. Now Jesus is brought before the high priest and it says that Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. And now that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside and then the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, you are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. Now the servants and officers who had made a fire of coal stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood there with them and warmed themselves. Now jump down to verse 25. It says, now Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, you are not also one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. And one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said, did I not see you in the garden? And Peter then denied again, and immediately a rooster crowed. If we hone in on Peter, this is not a triumphant moment for him, right? He doesn't seem like much of a hero in this moment. He doesn't, he's not, he's not killing it. He's not doing a great job. If we were to want to create a movie with him as the main character, there wouldn't be a bunch of people running to write that story right now. There wouldn't be a bunch of producers saying, we have to make this. We have to write this. No, it's in this great moment of adversary and, and fear and everything that Jesus is going to, he's fearful for his life. And in this, this hard moment where everyone is asking him, where he's, he's being tested, he's being tried, and they're saying, no, you are one of Jesus' disciples. And three times, even a relative of the man whose ear he cut off says, no, you must be. But he denies Jesus all three times. And, the, and Luke's account again says that he wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. Peter is in the lowest of low places. He's betrayed by the ones, he's betrayed and denied the one he loves. And he's weeping. 
He's feeling all sorts of things, right? Just imagine in this moment, he's feeling unworthy. He's feeling weak. He's feeling disqualified. He's feeling pathetic. He's feeling like a traitor. The whole wheel of negative emotions. And Jesus carries on in the story as we know. And he he goes to the cross. He endures the, the torturers. He endures the ridicule. He endures the cross. He's laid in a tomb. He, he comes back to life three days later. And I want to look at this moment. I want to now fast forward to John chapter 21 and look at another moment of Peter. A moment where after the denial, where after everything that took place, Jesus appears to him. By John's account, this is the third time, at least for John, that Jesus had appeared to them. And when we come to this part of the story, the disciples and Peter are by the Sea of Tiberias. And Peter kind of resorts to his old ways, his old life, and he says, I'm going fishing. And the disciples, it says that they said, we're coming with you. And the scriptures say that they fished all night long. They're just out there on the boat. They're feeling tired. They're casting their nets. They're trying to catch fish, but that they caught nothing all night long. And... This man appears on the shore, Jesus, and he he calls out to them and says, have you caught anything? Which they say no. And he says, which is already reminiscent of that first time that Jesus appeared to Peter by the shore. And he says, Jesus says, cast your nets on the other side. And what happens? The net is full of fish, so much so they can't pull it in. And I love John in this moment. He remembers the miracle that Jesus did last time. And he says, it's Jesus. It's the Lord. And what does Peter do? Peter throws on his outer garment and he dives into the ocean and he begins to swim to Jesus. It even says in the scripture that the boat was close to shore, but it wasn't close enough for Peter. He had to get there. If Even if it was a second sooner, he had to come close. He had to draw near to the Lord. And so he comes to the Lord and Jesus, as the boat draws in, as the rest of the disciples come, he says, come and eat breakfast. He has a fire going with coals and bread. He says, bring the fish you caught. And they eat. And then there's this, there's this little interaction between Peter and Jesus that I want us to read in verse 15. It says, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. I love this dialogue between Peter of everything we just read. And here comes this little interaction. Jesus goes out of his way to come and to be with Peter, to sit with Peter, to have this conversation with Peter after some breakfast. And 
he's asking him, Peter, do you love me? To which Peter's probably thinking, Lord, did you not just see me jump into the water? Did you not just see me swim? I had to beat everyone. I had to be there. I couldn't wait a second longer to be with you, to meet with you, to come close to you. And Peter responds. He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus asks him again, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And three times... And I want us to know, I want us to catch this morning that it's not by accident that the Lord is asking him three times. It's not as if Jesus needed convincing. The Lord didn't need convincing. The Lord already knew the condition of his heart. The Lord already knew Peter intimately. The Lord saw the way that Peter cast into into the waters to come close. The Lord saw the way that Peter tried to, to pull out a sword and fight his way out of it for Jesus. He knew that Peter loved him. But the Lord came, he made a point of coming to Peter and restoring relationship. And in the same way that Peter denied the Lord three times, he gave Peter three times, three chances to confess his love and devotion to him. And I know, I believe that in this moment, that the Lord was reminding Peter of who he was, of who he called him to be. Of his purpose. The Lord was reminding to Peter. Because for, for Peter he's thinking. I've blown it. I'm done. I'm too far gone. Everything I did. The way that I betrayed my Lord. He's here. He's fishing. He's going to his old ways. He's purposeless. But the Lord comes close. And he says. Peter will you still follow me? Peter do you still love me? Then feed my sheep. Peter do you still love me? Then tend to my lambs. Peter do you still love me? Then follow me. Follow me. Will you follow me? And I believe in this moment, the Lord was reminding Peter of his purpose. Because if Peter were looking in a mirror, he would have felt like a failure. Somebody who betrayed the Lord in his lowest moment, in fear, in weakness. But the Lord is coming to Peter and saying, Peter, you are still the one I spoke over in Matthew 16, 17 through 19, saying, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say this, say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven." We serve a Jesus who came out of his way, who had to come and have this intimate moment face to face, one on one with Peter to remind him of who he says he is. To remind him that Peter, I still love you. Do you still love me? Will you still follow me? Will you still tend to my flock? Will you still be the man that I will build my church upon? Because I still see that in you. That is still who you are. That is still your destiny. And the Lord is reminding and restoring him even publicly in this moment. And as we were driving back from Canada and I was asking the Lord, Lord, what do you have for us this week? And what do you want me to speak on? I felt strongly to tell us today that as believers, our weakness is our weapon. Our weakness is our weapon. That God is not afraid of your weakness. That you may have given up on you, but he has not given up on you. That you may think you're too far gone, but faithful is he to finish the work he started in you. 
That you may think you're a hopeless mess, but he sees a beautiful work in progress. See, the world tells us we have to have it all together. We have to look a certain way. We have to hide our weaknesses. We have to project success. We have to project knowing everything. We have to project being everything. Being a self-made, incredible individual, so successful, blah, blah, blah. You name it, right? But the word of God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in what? In weakness. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Come on, tell somebody again, your weakness is your weapon. Tell the person on the other side of you, your weakness is your weapon. You see, the proud, the proud have no need of God. Those that believe they have it all together, that they, they, they have everything they need, they have no need of him. Those with a spirit of pride say, Lord, I don't need you. I don't need people around me. I don't need help. I can do this on my own. And in our culture, we love the self-made man. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with diligent and hard work. Don't, don't hear me on that. But I am saying if there's a spirit of pride and I can do this on my own, it's the quickest way to receive opposition from the Lord. Because the word of God says that he opposes the proud. But he gives grace to the what? To the humble. We're trying. A man of humility, a person who acknowledges their weaknesses, their inability, their foolishness, their lack of confidence, their brokenness, that is the canvas that God can paint a masterpiece on. Because there is something beautiful about weakness and obedience combined that leads us to dependency and faith. When we say, Lord, I feel weak, I feel afraid to do the things you've called me to, yet I will step out and follow you regardless. That leads us to a place where faith is actually required. And we walk a narrow road. This is not easy. It's getting harder and harder with culture. But we walk a narrow road where we walk by faith, not by sight. Where we say, Lord, I will follow you even when I don't understand or know what's three steps ahead of me. If you tell me to put one step here, I'll put one step here. If you tell me to put another foot here, I'll put another foot here. We walk by faith. And when we acknowledge the places in our heart where we are weak, where we are being called yet we feel weak, we feel not qualified, it leads us to this beautiful place of dependency and hunger and desperation for the presence of God, for the strength of God to be manifest in our weakness. And if our faith is never uncomfortable, if our lives are never uncomfortable, if following the Lord is never uncomfortable, what is the point of faith? And again, don't mishear me. There will always be a faith in Jesus, in who he is, in the fact of his nature and his reality. But I'm talking about the everyday life of the believer, the here and now reality, the present spirit of God in our midst to be strong when we are weak. Amen. We walk in that faith as believers. There's power when we surrender to him. I love to pray the prayer, Lord, I have great need of you. Like, Lord, I have great need of you. God, if you don't show up today in this message, there's no point. If you don't come and transform lives, these are just words. 
If we don't read this with a revelation by your spirit, this is just ink on pages. But when we read by the spirit, when we worship by the spirit, when we look to him by the spirit, we are transformed. I remember every time we're driving back from Canada, I get a little nostalgic. And I remember the moment that I said yes to come down here and be the starting as the youth pastor a little over 10 years ago. Some of my students were babies when I first came here. And you know when you reach, you know when you're done youth ministry, when there's like a one-year-old and you started and then all of a sudden they're in your youth group and you're like, something feels wrong. I remember you when you were one. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Be a youth pastor forever, Jacob Scheller. Um, But I remember that moment I said, yes, I I came down, Jess was the youth intern, and she led this awesome youth camp, our first ever youth camp, and she invited me, we were dating at the time, to come and help. I uh, finished Bethel uh, two years at the school. I felt the Lord tell me to go home and work for my dad, and so I, I was obedient, and I came to this camp, and I, I was helping out, and things apparently went well enough that they said, would you come and be our youth pastor? And so... I said to the Lord very quickly, I said, Lord, and teenagers hear me, okay? I said, Lord, I won't go for a girl alone. I said, I need to hear your voice. And um, so I pressed into the Lord and I said, Lord, is this meant to be? Am I meant to go? And he very quickly said, go. And he said, serve me in my house and I will provide. And it's a very meager salary for the first two years. I couldn't get, even get a visa and worked for free for two years, blah, blah, blah. The point is, we follow his voice not something that looks good on paper. And so I said yes in this moment. I stepped out in faith, and it required faith. And I'm going to tell you today that I was terrified. I was scared. I was so scared. It was like the real deal. I'm now leaving my parents' home. I knew that I had been called to ministry most of my life. I burned for it. I felt the Lord place it inside me from a young age. But in the moment that it was becoming reality, I was terrified. And my number one fear, I don't, I kind of laugh about it to this day, but was like, Lord, what am I going to speak on all the time? Yeah. Like, I just, like, I don't know. Like, that's what I was terrified about. And, and I just, I had, to, I had to walk by faith. And I remember this beautiful moment where my dad was crying, heaving shoulders, reminding me that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And, amen. And I've been continuing to walk by faith since that day. And I've been continuing to say to the Lord, but ever since that day, Lord, I feel weak and I need you. I have great need of you, Lord. We can't, Jess and I can't pastor this church without him. He builds the church. Duncan and Kate can't, can't pastor this church. He builds the church. But may we be a people who follow the leading of his voice, even when we feel weak and allow the strength of God to be manifest in our lives. I want to look at one other story of Peter in the book of Acts. Chapter 2. All right, Antoine, no spoilers, man. (laughs) 
This is <laughs> the moment where the disciples are in Jerusalem and Jesus is right before he ascends into heaven. He says to them, wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, the promise of my father. And so they're waiting in the upper room and they're praying. And this happens. Verse one, chapter two it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, say suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Say filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation, say every nation, under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Jump down to verse 12. It says, so they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? But others, mocking, said they are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, somebody say Peter. Peter. But Peter. It's no longer, oh, Peter. It's but Peter. Standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what the prophet, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Amen. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Amen. Your young men shall see visions. Amen. And your old men shall dream dreams. And he carries on. He, he delivers this beautiful sermon. And he finishes it by saying this in verse 38. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Say the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many, as many as the Lord our God will call. And it goes on to say that about 3,000, at the greatest baptism service that's ever been seen, about 3,000 were baptized and saved. Say to somebody, if God turned it around for Peter, he can turn it around for me. Come on, now say it a little more enthusiastically to your other neighbor. Listen, this is the same Peter, the sword-slinging Peter, the ear-cutting Peter, the Peter that Jesus rebuked and called him. He said to him, get behind me, Satan. When Jesus was telling the disciples of all that was to come, and Peter spoke to him and said, Lord, may that never happen to you. And he says, get behind me, Satan. This is that Peter. This is the Peter that three times in Jesus' weakest moments in the greatest trial and adversary that Jesus was facing denied him over and over and over. This is the same Peter that said, don't wash my feet. But what changed? What changed in Peter? 
Come on, Antoine spoiled it for y'all. This should be an easy answer. The Holy Spirit changed. The indwelling power and filling of the Holy Spirit. And I have good news for each and every one of us today. There is no waiting period for the Holy Spirit. There's no DMV lines for the Holy Spirit. Lord, bless the DMV in Jesus' name. There is no waiting There is no go into the upper room and wait. The Holy Spirit surely has come. And Jesus said, it's better that I go. For if I go, I will send to you the helper, the leader, the comforter, the guide, the spirit, my power. I will fill you with power on high to go forth and be my witnesses. We have access to the Holy Spirit, to the strength in weakness. And when we come to Holy Spirit and we say, Holy Spirit, I'm just going to be real with you. I am feeling weak. I'm feeling like I have nothing to offer for the things that you're calling me to. Would you come? Would you strengthen me? Powerful things happen. When they said, Aaron and Jess, do you want to be the lead pastors of this church? We want you to be the lead pastor of this church. And we say, when? And they say, May. And we say, this is a great time to tell you we're having a baby in May. And we say, Lord, I feel weak. I don't know how I'm going to have a baby and take over a church. I don't know how we're going to do this, become the lead pastor of a church. But by his strength, by his spirit, by his power, by his might. And I'm here to remind you today that if you are here and you feel weak, if you feel disqualified, if you feel discouraged, if you feel too far gone, If you feel like you've messed up, if you feel like the Lord is fed up with you, which is a lie I used to believe, he's not. That his strength is made perfect in your weakness. That when we submit to his leading, when we submit to his leadership and say, Lord, I offer you my weakness, powerful things will happen in your life. Ask Jacob how many times in the interview for youth pastor, I asked him, what are your weaknesses? What are your weaknesses? What are your weaknesses? Because when we know and when we bring them before the Lord, I believe beautiful things happen. Powerful things happen. We are simply clay in the hands of a great potter. We are stone that's being chiseled by the master sculptor himself. And he makes beautiful things out of us. But it starts with acknowledging our need of him. It starts from a place of acknowledging the places in which we feel weak. It starts by, as we step out in faith, as we submit to his leading and say, Lord, I will, I will step out into the unknown. I will step out even though I can't see what's in front of me and follow you. And that terrifies me. Would you come? I have great need of you. It starts in that place, in that beautiful submission and surrender in our weakness. And that's when faith happens. That's when our faith comes forth. Because faith is not an emotion. Faith is a decision. Faith is a hope and a belief in the unseen and true God. And his faithfulness in our lives every step of the way. And it's not based on an outcome. It's based on him. And this is it. This is the gospel. This is the good news. That you couldn't, you couldn't save yourself. By law, it was impossible. So he did it for us. All we have to do is believe and receive. And now we can't. The truth is even still, we can't. We can't live up to all that he's asking us to do. But we can through him. He can in us. But he won't. He's not going to force you to. But if you partner with him, 
if you co-labor with Jesus, beautiful things happen. Have you ever prayed that prayer, Lord, when he's asked something of you, Lord, I'm terrified, but I say yes. I remember my first time ever being invited to preach. I was terrified. I was in high school. I was in Mozambique on a mission trip, and I had another friend who was saved less long than me. And so when they asked, we were walking over to the small group, and then when they said, we need a speaker, and I knew my buddy wouldn't do it, so I was kind of just left in it. But faithful is he, as he dropped Philippians 3, verse 7 in my heart, and I preached a message. We Sometimes we've got to say yes when we're afraid. And it's easy, isn't it? It's easy to feel discouraged or disqualified or disheartened. But I want us to know and remember today that he is committed to us. That he is not an imperfect father. He is a perfect father. That he doesn't get fed up with us when we make mistakes. I'm committed to my children. Even when they're in the car, we're driving 15 hours back on Friday. And I'm like, would you just be quiet for two <laughs> seconds? But I am committed to them, to seeing them mature into, into all that their, their potential is and that God has for them. And the Lord is committed to us, to us maturing, being mature disciples. The question is, can we learn to trust him in the process, even when we feel weak, even when we feel like we have nothing? I love in, in 1 Corinthians 2, 1, Paul is before the Corinthians, and he says that he came before them in weakness, fear, and trembling. And Paul is, Paul is a hero when you read through the scriptures. But here he is before the Corinthians. Here he is following the leading of the Lord. And it's a great example for us. It can look on the outside like somebody's got it all together. But here is Paul, terrified, weak, and afraid, trembling. But he goes anyways. And it says that he allowed God's power to be manifest through him. Your weakness is your weapon. When you say, Lord, I... I don't feel like I have what it takes, but I surrender to you and your will, and I know that you see me better than I see myself. So I want to ask us today, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? Maybe this is something you practice really well, or maybe maybe we need to dive in and submit our weakness, submit our fears Submit our mistakes and say, God, I don't know what to do. Would you help me? Holy Spirit, I need you. Would you guide me? Would you lead me into all truth? Why wait another day to go to our jobs without calling on Holy Spirit in our weaknesses? Why wait another moment without calling on Holy Spirit as we try to parent our children in a van for 15 hours? (laughs) Holy Spirit. Why wait another second going to school than calling on Holy Spirit and saying, I need help? My sister, Amy, did that. The Lord reminded me of that in the first service. She was struggling with math. She was, she was getting horrible grades, and she had some friends come close to her, and they called the name of the Lord, and they basically just asked for help. And all of a sudden, she began to understand her class and ended up getting exempt from the exam. Why not call in the name of the Lord? He's faithful. He's good. What are we waiting for? Would you stand with me?
I'd like us to just take a moment before we leave here today and to just come before the Lord, to just individually commune with him. Take a moment and as best as you make yourself unaware of the people around you and just let it be just you and the Lord for a moment. Just take a second and be honest with the Lord. If there's any places that you just need to surrender to him, any areas where you need to say, Lord, this, in this place I feel weak. I feel like I don't have it. Help me, Jesus. Take a second and invite him into that place. Lord, come. Or the truth is, I, I don't feel like I have it all together here. The truth is, I need your help. The truth is, I need your spirit. I can't do this on my own. Lord, I bring to you myself, not, not puffed up and trying to bring to you some version of myself that's made up, but I come before you bare, naked. Search me and know me. Lord, I thank you that you see me. Now just invite him, invite Holy Spirit into that place. Holy Spirit, would you come into this place? Lord, would you strengthen me in the places I feel weak? Would you strengthen me in the areas where I don't feel like I have it together. Help me, Holy Spirit. Lead me, guide me. I don't want to wait another moment than coming to you bare with all my weaknesses. I feel the Lord just saying he's removing fear. Some of us in this room have have been afraid to come close to him because we still see the Lord as some mean and cruel father But I feel he's just coming and saying, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I'm going to ask us to do one more thing before we close. I love Sonny's testimony how she basically admitted that she didn't know what to do. She didn't know how to comfort her friend. She, she felt like, Lord, I need you. And she goes to her connect group and she's her friends, she's asking them and they're no doubt praying for her and praying for one another and praying for this lady. And I want us to just take a moment to be the church for one another. And I want to ask us to find, find a few people around you Place your hands on them and begin to pray for one another. And just take a second and begin to all pray. Just begin to all pray aloud at the same time. Pray for them how you would want to be prayed for. 
Pray that they would be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. Pray that the areas in which they feel weak, in which they feel like they don't have it together, that the Holy Spirit himself would come and fill them with strength today. Ask that the Lord would fill them with boldness, with courage for their jobs, with courage to lead their families, with strength and boldness and wisdom to lead their businesses, with boldness to be the Lord's witnesses. Lord, would you fill us with strength today? Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.